welcome to the worldwide broadcast of the Ted and Austin Brower Show, bringing you the latest world news and health research. Hope you're having a fantastic, blessed day today, as always. And we're getting nice, heavy rain down here in Florida just about every day right now, which is pretty typical for June. But as I told you before, some of the weather changes have been slowly happening all across the country, which is making a lot more people look at what's really going on behind the scenes while we're constantly being hit with distractions on a regular basis. And I wanted to clarify something as well. I had a uh, customer email us yesterday about what was going on in Montana. And basically he is a FFL dealer, gun dealer in Montana. And I remember at the beginning of the week, I told you guys about the very strange incident where the IRS went in and raided that gun store with ATF agents and ATF agents ended up taking 13 years of the 4473 forms. And I told you guys, whenever they call into the NICS, as far as the background check, you know, they give the information. However, I was unaware that they do not have to, the gun dealer does not have to give the serial number on the firearm. And so what this guy, our customer wrote us, and I'll read it to you right now. He said, hey, Ted, regarding the confiscation of the form 470, the 4473s in Montana, you and Austin mentioned on the show, when I call into the ATF for a customer background check, the licensee, the FFL holder, only tells the NICS that you bought a handgun, long gun, essentially, to get approval on it. So you got to call up. They put your name in and essentially runs a background check. He says the other category would be for a stripped AR lower, but the licensee does not have to tell the Knicks you bought a Glock 19 9mm serial number, you know, 12345. So if they confiscate these forms that they're required to hold for 20 years, they would have the entire customer name, address, and all information related to the firearm the customer bought. That's what I think they're after, and basically that's what he was stating on there. So I told you guys, I knew there had to be something a little bit stranger with this because I knew when they called in, they had to give information on the person. I wasn't sure if it was uh, voluntary, whether or not they had to give the firearm, the make and model. I know with Class Three firearms, when you're getting tax stamps, you have to have the serial number for like a short barrel rifle or machine gun and have that all with your name and information and get a tax stamp through the ATF. But a regular background check, when they call it in, apparently they do not have to give the actual model and serial number of the firearm, which makes sense now why they went and confiscated 13 years of 4473 forms as this is something that I do not think sadly this is going to be a isolated incident I think these are going to happen more and more and more this wasn't just a coincidence that IRS decided they were going to go in and audit these guys and then suddenly take all these forms of Montana remember Montana is a very very gun friendly state I mean pretty much Montana residents can do pretty much anything they want up there legally and you know there's a reason why they want to know one of the biggest gun stores up there who's bought firearms the last 13 years IRS doesn't care about that they're going through financial audits they don't need to know what the sealed numbers of firearms are for the last 13 years because there's no financial information on 4473 forms so I just thought I wanted to put that out there and make sure you guys are aware of it and uh, you know, do what you need to do, however you need to do to keep yourself and your family protected. And one other story that I saw that I really wanted to cover today, as I've started to see incidences like this occur more often, I'm hearing about them happening more often, where random individuals are showing up at people's houses, uh, sometimes violently, sometimes casually, sometimes very clandestinely. And there's an article that came out about from North Carolina, and this was out of uh, by Raleigh, North Carolina, in Johnston County, and it said the 
uh, incident unfolded around 9 p.m. on Sunday night in Wilson Mills, a town in Johnston County near Raleigh. Children were played in the backyard of their home on Father's Day when a man suddenly walked on the property and grabbed one of the 13, uh, 11-year-old girls. The suspect then chased the other kids as they fled in the house to alert adults. Police said the suspect attempted to gain entry into the house and follow the children in the residence by pulling on the back door while they were trying to lock it, shaking it violently. The homeowner and father shot the 23-year-old suspect immediately upon seeing him, and the suspect died of his injuries. The suspect was unknown to the family prior to the attack, and uh, Police Chief A.Z. Williams said this is one of the only violent crimes he has seen in that small town over the last five years. Now, what's happening is you're starting to have a movement of individuals that are becoming more and more nuts, so to speak. They're coming into more rural areas because everybody's starting to be pushed into these areas. We're seeing this now in Central Florida where Orlando and Tampa, which we're located in between, has always been a very rural area. And now those two cities are expanding and pushing in and squeezing into Central Florida, Auburndale area, Polk County area because of the development. And the cost of living has gone up, so it's coming this way. I used to never – I mean back in the day, I used to never see homeless people walking around and basically just you know drifters in where we live around because it was an Orange Grove town. There's really nothing to do here, and there's no real reason to be wandering around here. Now, just about every single day, every single street corner, people walking, pushing shopping carts, holding up signs, just – I mean getting very, very rampant. And individuals are becoming more and more aggressive as they either become hungry or deranged on drugs, illicit drugs, and so forth. Not to mention the amount of migrants that we now have being transported here through all over the country and through Florida. And a lot of them now, as was reported by the U.S. or the Florida National Guard that's over in uh, Texas right now helping. I saw this article earlier here that they have apprehended numerous MS-13 gang members at the border basically trying to come in, many of which are actually on the FBI terror watch list. MS-13 gang members on terror watch list being apprehended at the border trying to get in illegally with migrants that need to get asylum seeking. Yes. And when, remember, when you're dealing with some of these guys, these guys are basically steeped in Satanism. They are. The MS-13 gang is all about satanic Satanism. It's all about sacrificial stuff. This is why you have that incident with that, uh, that Uber Eats driver a couple weeks ago, sadly enough, that he was going to deliver his last stop. He texted his wife and said, hey, I'm delivering my last Uber Eats meal and basically went to deliver this random house. And sure enough, the guy basically grabbed him when he went to deliver the food and butchered him, chopped him up, put him in a trash bag, threw him in a garbage can. And come to find out, this MS-13 gang member was the guy that did it. And he'd basically been out on parole for the last like six months. Nobody could find him. And uh, basically when they asked him why he did it, he said the guy just made me mad essentially because he wasn't on time. So, you know, naturally you go and butcher somebody to death because their Uber Eats food isn't there. I guess that's the truth for MS-13 gang members. There are certain people out there that do not have any aspect of respect for when it comes to life. The life, human beings, they do not care. They literally will look at someone and whether they murder that person or they walk on and go down the sidewalk, it does not make a bit of difference. It won't even change their day. They won't even do anything different. It's just normalized to them because of what they've been brought up in and the gangs that they've been around their whole lives. So you have to understand when you see situations like this in North Carolina, this guy was chasing these girls, trying to grab them and take off with them and all the point of going into the house. 
you have to be ready at any and all times with your family to defend them with whatever force is necessary to protect your children at any time. This is a small little town in North Carolina. I mean, this, I looked at something. It's not, it's not a big place whatsoever. Yet, who was this guy? What was you doing there? Who knows now? <laughs> so again, very, very important. Make sure you're protecting your children. Also, too, in other news, this is interesting. It's ironic to me, because I haven't brought this up much this week, but it's ironic that we've watched now this whole this whole facade with Hunter Biden and these absolute joke of a justice system we have now that this thing happened to coincide exactly when now the entire Internet seems to be riddled with this titanic submarine that's getting lost at sea. And I just find it very ironic. Now, again, if somebody's in there and they are dead or whatever's going on with this whole very strange, coincidentally timed story, my condolences to the family. But there's something very strange about this, how this whole thing with Hunter Biden gets released at the beginning of the week with what's going on with him. And now every single media outlet's obsessed with this submarine that decided to go down to look at the Titanic with like a PlayStation joystick, you know, Bluetooth not connecting. All of a sudden, whoopsie, we're 12,000 feet. We can't control the submarine anymore. It, the whole thing didn't make any sense to me. They, they've gone 100, 150 plus dives down in the Titanic with submarines. I think like 150 different dives with submarines. This has been a regular thing they've done for years going down there and looking at this thing. And suddenly there's this billionaire that's on this this submarine going down there. Suddenly this thing gets disconnected and gets lost right after it makes it down there. I don't know. Don't know. Not my for it's not my area as far as above my pay grade, but I do know one thing. It's very strange that what we're seeing multiple things, incidences like this occur where there's constant distractions. For example, the Pentagon just came out on June 20th the other day. If you saw this, they came out and they said that Deputy Pentagon Press Secretary Sabrina Sai announced at the press conference that the regular oversight has uh, happened with a misvaluation and accounting error. They went on to say that essentially a significant number of cases where the U.S. services has used replacement costs for the transferred equipment rather than net book value of the equipment. And so after we discovered this misvaluation, the comptroller reissued guidance on clarifying how to value equipment that was going to Ukraine. She said the amount the DOD overestimated for fiscal year 2023 was $3.6 billion, and for 2022, fiscal year is $2.6 billion for a combined total of $6.2 billion that was miscalculated that did not affect any prior transfers to Ukraine. And the Pentagon has now retained the authority to utilize the recaptured money to transfer the amount of equipment to Ukraine. So what the DOD is doing now is they're going in looking through their equipment and saying, hey, we valued this Patriot missile system at $1 billion, so to speak. But that was replacement value. If we if we value it at net book value, which via depreciation and time and everything else, we're only valuing it around, you know, $200 million. So that gives us another $800 million that we have to spend now, and they literally are going in and revaluing what they've originally already given out and saying, well, that's not replacement cost on it. That's that's the cost of replacement. We need to net book value, which is much lower. So they're literally going in now and just restructuring what the values are so they can continue to give more money. And probably I have to say – 
one of the largest money laundering schemes we've ever witnessed in the history of the United States. This is absurd. The DOD is not allowed to operate like this. The DOD has to have accurate accounting when they put stuff out there. It can't just come around the next year and say, oh, by the way, we're just retroactively changing the amount of what we've sent to people over there and what it's actually worth in Ukraine. Um, so we have a lot more money that we can spend now. If anybody remembers last year when the spending bill came about, the money that's given to U.S. Border Customs Protection, U.S. Border Patrol, their budget is now at $14.8 billion. It got slashed another like half a billion dollars, $14.8 billion. That's it. For the entire year for the U.S. Border Patrol is $14.8 billion. Yet we just revalued in an accounting error $6.2 billion to give more further cash to a country that is essentially being used as a proxy war against Russia. I mean, the, the entire world banking system is using Ukraine as a way to fight Russia. I mean, every country is giving them fighter jets, Abrams tanks, surfaced air missiles, Patriot missile systems. Every single type of armament in the world is being dumped into Ukraine, allegedly to fight Russia, while at the same time watching the biggest money laundering scheme we've ever witnessed. So I just thought it was interesting while we're watching this right now and these things occur with what happened with you know Biden's son, with what's going on with this money laundering scheme, suddenly now out of nowhere – the media for the last four days has been nothing but obsessed with talking about the submarine that got lost trying to search the Titanic. And I think a lot of people are starting to realize that pretty much everything we're continually watching is theater now as a form to try to distract us from what's really going on because they don't want us actually seeing what's happening so they're not held accountable. I mean, why in the world do we not have the Congress calling out the DOD on this and holding funding? I mean, why in the world is Congress so completely and totally caught up and essentially compromised, so to speak, that they won't do anything whatsoever? And I think the answer that we've continually been watching now is that a lot of them are completely and totally controlled. I mean, this is not something that's been new now. Why there was an, <laughs> This is ironic. There's a video that got released now just a few days ago from James O'Keefe, who's, you know, he used to run Project Veritas, and he came in and had has footage of basically a contractor that works with BlackRock, who's a recruiter, who said, and I quote, he said, it's not who the president is, it's who's controlling the wallet of the president. He goes, if you got $10,000, you can buy a senator. War is a real blanking good for business. And this guy goes into detail on how BlackRock is essentially seeing tremendous opportunity to invest in Ukraine now in the rebuilding process. And he goes on to say, this guy says it's on camera. He goes, he doesn't know it's undercover. He goes, I'll give you an example. Russian blows up Ukraine grain silos. The price of wheat's going to go up, mad up. The Ukrainian economy is tied very largely to the wheat market, global wheat market. Price of bread, you know, literally everything goes up and down. This is fantastic if you're trading. Volatility creates opportunity to make extreme profit. War is incredibly good business. You had this article from CNN going into detail how private investors see a tremendous opportunity to invest in Ukraine's post-war future, according to Stefan Weiler, J.P. Morgan's head of capital markets. It's an opportunity to socialize the idea of the fund and its mission, which should attract as much private sector capital in the construction of Ukraine. 
This means that essentially BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard are going to now own Ukraine. They're going to go in and buy up infrastructure, and they're going to rebuild it, and they're going to own it. This is the exact same time billions of dollars have been trafficked and weapons have been trafficked to Ukraine to go wherever they need to go. So again, this is what's really going on behind the scenes. This is really who's running it, and this is why we've really got to do something with Congress to actually get off their butt and do something if some of them aren't compromised because this is quite frankly – embarrassing and insulting all at the same time what do you think dad <laughs> you know Austin. sometimes i have to just sit back and just stop for a second and just say this can't be real you just, just you know you got a you got a dod now devaluating assets that are being given away based upon book value rather than the actual replacement cost retroactively <laughs> no no well here's the problem with that the dod is not a for-profit corporation they don't have to file an irs income tax return they don't have to do that. They don't have to depreciate anything. They don't have to have you. It's like it's like a five hundred one three C corporation. They don't have to have depreciation schedules. They just write stuff off based upon the cash flow they have. The DoD doesn't have to come in and do this from an auditing standpoint. Now the, the CPAs may come in and do this or whatever back and forth because they love to have things to do. But the reality is they don't have to do any of this stuff. If they pay a billion dollars for a Patriot missile system, they give it to Ukraine. They cost a billion dollars. They don't have to depreciate it back down so they can give more to Ukraine. They don't have to do that. There's no requirement to do that because they're not, they're not filing income tax. I mean it's so stupid when you read stuff like this. The vast majority of the population of the planet are so conditioned now from an income tax standpoint and bookkeeping standpoint. They won't think twice about this. So, you know, it's first in, last out, last in, first out, you know, counting systems. It doesn't matter like that with the DOD. It doesn't matter. It's just whatever it costs is what it costs. What it costs to replace is what it costs. Nobody's taxing you. Nobody, no one's saying, "Well, you got to pay, you know, forty percent income tax now because you know you made over X amount of dollars." Now they may do something like that, I guess, with suppliers because suppliers are going to have to file taxes, and the suppliers may readjust the cost of certain individual products because of the depreciation schedules or whatever. This is all twisted. It's all it's like you said, Austin. The entire thing is set up for profits, like like this last project. Well, it's not Project Veritox anymore, but it's just he's talking about the truth. You know, and Smedley Butler said it this way. I'm going to post this on the website. War is a racket is a speech in a 1935 short book by Smedley D. Butler, a retired U.S. Marine Corps major general, and two-time – now, not once. He received the Congressional Medal of Honor twice based on his career military experiences. Butler discusses how business interests commercially benefit from warfare. He had been appointed commanding officer of the, again, Gdar Marie during the 1915-1934 United States occupation of Haiti. After Butler retired from the U.S. Marine Corps in 1931, he made a nationwide tour in the early 1930s, giving the speech, War is a Racket. The speech was so well received that he wrote a longer version as a short book published in 1935. His work was condensed in Reader's Digest as a book supplement, which helped popularize his message. In an introduction to the Reader's Digest version, Lowell Thomas praised Butler's moral as well as physical courage. Thomas had written Smedley Butler's oral autobiography. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say this. You know, the work is divided into five chapters. War is a racket. Who makes the profits? Who pays the bills? How to smash the racket? And the heck with war. Now, I'm going to let you look. The, you can also look this book up online. But Smedley Butler, he's an interesting guy. Two-time Congressional Medal of Courage Ward, right? He was recruited because he was so well-known in the early 30s when Franklin Delano Roosevelt was doing his best. He was a communist, by the way. Just so I thought you guys could look that one up. 
Franklin Delano Roosevelt was a communist, and Smedley Butler was recruited by Prescott Bush, the you know the grandfather of George H. Bush and the great you know the, the, the I'm sorry the father of H. Bush and the grandfather of George W. Bush. He was recruited by Prescott Bush to Smedley Butler was recruited to stage a coup d'état of the United States of America with military and to take over the United States and get Roosevelt out and basically to install a fascist government into the United States. And Smedley Butler went public on this and basically busted them all for trying to overthrow the United States of America. This is this is, you know, and then then Bush was later charged with trading with the enemies act with Hitler. He and Hitler were friends. Just thought I'd mention all that. You know, this is Prescott Bush. And, you know, of course, you know, Henry Ford was friends with Hitler, too. I mean, we go into the whole detail with all of this stuff. But the reality is this. This is who Smedley Butler is. He, he called this stuff out. And I want you guys to see how corrupt George H. Bush was and how, how corrupt Prescott Bush was and how corrupt the double one is, the W one, the W Bush. And I don't get me wrong. I, I met H before he passed away. I did a bunch of seminars with him back in the 90s. And I met W. At a, at a, how should I say, at a, at a, at a, at a, at a meeting together that we had at Southeastern University years ago, and I've also met Jeb Bush. I met them all, and and the sad part about it is, is that none of them are impressive to me whatsoever. Jeb Bush was pretty smart. I'll give him that. He was pretty smart, but he was, uh, he was out of his depth, you know, trying to compete and basically go into a oratory against Donald Trump. He's a little bit too um, amiable for that. But but the reality is that you know we're in a situation now that we're starting to see that war is a racket, and all wars are banker wars. Period. Remember that's what the Rothschild mother said: that if my son wants there to be a war, there'll be a war. If they don't want to have a war, there'll be no war. Because the bankers are the ones who funds both sides of the war. They funded both sides of the civil war, and so all of this stuff goes right back to profits and greed. That's why I often quoted the guy saying, and I'm going to briefly kind of just loosely quote it because I didn't write it down, how you know war is great for business because it makes the commodity markets extremely unstable, especially in wheat, and you can make huge amounts of money by either going long or shorting these markets if you know what's fixing to happen as far as if the grain fields are all going to be burned and if you have to rebuild grain silos and all the other things that are happening. All of this stuff is orchestrated. It's all part of the great scheme of things as far as how the world works and how it's controlled by the Kabbalists, Luciferians, synagogue of Satan, controlled by the fallen angels and the ancient Canaanite gods, the commerce and the exchange of goods and services, and the use of Babylonian money magic on this planet. Now, you guys, I've had so many of you send me emails about the show that we did yesterday, and thank you. Because I covered a lot of this on yesterday's show. It was an in-depth teaching yesterday. So I really recommend it. If you missed yesterday's show, that you go back and listen to yesterday's show in the context of what I'm talking about right now. And today will make a lot more sense. It really will. But guys, you know, we've been completely taken over. The United States basically was taken over in the 1860s by Abraham Lincoln, who by the way was friends with Karl Marx, the writer of the Communist Manifesto. You know, they used to exchange letters together back and forth. And of course, nobody wants to talk about that with Lincoln. It was taken over when the United States federal government usurped the powers of the southern states and basically destroyed the southern states. And like I said before, I would destroy the Lincoln Memorial if I was president of the United States, if I had the authority to do so. But they would just rebuild it anyhow. It wouldn't make any difference. Build it bigger and better, I'm sure. But the, but the reality is, is that we're in a situation here. It started there when the Rothschild banking cartels financed both sides of the Civil War to destroy the United States. It was further aggravated and brought into fruition in you know, 1913 and 1912 and 1911 with the passage of the Federal Reserve Act and Income Tax Act. 
And then, of course, with the putting in of the, you know, of the socialist president, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, you know, causing, you know, a massive, massive problem as far as socialism in the United States and the collapse of the stock market in 1929 by the same characters contracting the M1 money supply and basically calling their notes due and knowing the money wasn't in, it wasn't in, in circulation and, and basically seizing family farms and businesses all over the United States. It's always the same people, guys. It's always the ancient Canaanite religion worshipers that do all of this stuff and have done this for thousands upon thousands of years. Covered that in Angel Wars in depth. So all of this stuff, you know, precipitated World War One, World War Two, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, the running of drugs out of Southeast Asia, the assassination of John F. Kennedy, on and on and on. The attempted assassination of John Ronald Reagan when he first got in office within the first, you know, what ninety days. All of this stuff. It's to control the United States and control the narrative. And, you know, and Austin's right. You know, until we purge the Congress of the United States because of Jeffrey Epstein, and it's not just Jeffrey Epstein. Remember, Jeffrey Epstein worked for Mossad. Got to call it out for who it is. The Mossad, the CIA, MI6, and all the things that happen around us are all orchestrated at the highest levels by the shadow government that runs things behind the scenes. And once we understand that, then we start to see the reality of the Committee of 300, the Bilderberger Group, the Council of 300, all the different things that we have out there that are basically running things. And, you know, the Trilateral Commission that we talked about so many times in the 1960s and the 1970s, all of this stuff is a problem that basically is composed of secret societies and secret oaths and secret everything else. And Kennedy talked about that with his newspaper speech about how we are being run by this monolithic conspiracy. Those are his words, not mine. Brown, that, you know, that works, he, they say, he says, through covet means. And so all this stuff is happening around us as we speak, as we watch the United States be carved up like a prized goose or a prized turkey as they take sections of the United States and sections of the United States and increase the debt load, increase the debt load, increase the debt load until now, you know, our dollar is worth about one penny from what it was 100 years ago. In other words, what a penny would buy now, it takes a dollar to buy. The other day I was at, you know, I was at Publix, a grocery store down here, and I bought a couple boxes of nuts and I, I bought a, like a fruit salad and you know and I and I and I and I, and my, I got the bill and it was thirty nine dollars. I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. I said, "What the heck did I buy?" And I looked at the invoice and I said, "Wow, this is unbelievable that it costs this much just to have a few basic groceries, a few basic staples." And I thought to myself, "This is sad." Because this shows you the purchasing power of the dollar and what's happened. And the only reason that silver is not 150 or $200 an ounce, the only reason that gold is $20,000 an ounce, is because they keep shorting the markets on that because they control those too. And when they allow the commodity market to no longer be completed in, in the metals, and they allow it to be completed in their phony money, their fiat currency, instead of being forced to produce metals for the shorts and the longs in these transactions, they were able to then at that point completely take over the commodity market as far as the metals. And that's sad to me. It shouldn't be that way. That should be reversed. And if that got reversed, gold would be $20,000 an ounce and silver would be hundreds of dollars an ounce, which is where it should be right now because gold and silver should reflect the amount of currency in circulation. It should always reflect the M1, but it doesn't anymore because of the naked shorts. You'll see it'll go over 2000 an ounce like it did a few months ago, and boom. As soon as Wall Street opens, they throw in a billion or $10 billion or whatever it takes of naked shorts into that gold market. They'll buy gold at any price, at any, any and it just forces the price down, 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 down. It, but there's no gold being sold at those prices. I don't want to mention that. We just want to say that. That doesn't exist, not in large quantities. They don't do it. They can't. They can't, they can't supply it. But they do it in paper, and that's how they continue to manipulate us. And then that's where we are right now. And when we understand that and we start looking at what's going on with Donald Trump and how he now this thing, he owns stock 
you know, in, in companies that basically are, are promoting, you know, gender transitions, uh, you know, uh, you know, and I'm going to say something about this real quick. You know, he probably has a giant stock portfolio, which contains stocks in a lot of different companies. I, I will, I'm, I'm going to defend Trump and I don't normally do that. I'm not saying that he's promoting this, but I will say that he was the one who promoted when he was running his beauty pageants of letting the first transgenders compete as men who are proposing as women. Trump did that. And, and then what you've got to realize is that we have to understand also that he was really, 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 really good friends with Roy Cohn. And Roy Cohn was a blatant homosexual up in the New York area back in the 70s and 80s. And, uh, and you know, there's an article here from Vanity Fair. I'm going to post it. And it says this is this article from like six years ago. It says in 1973, a brash young would be developer from Queens met one of the world's premier power brokers, Roy Cohn whose name is still synonymous with the rise of McCarthyism and his dark political arts. With the ruthless attorney as a guide, Trump propelled himself into the city's power circles and learned many of the tactics that would inexplicably lead him to the White House years later. And then he said, Donald calls me 15 to 20 times a day, Roy Cohn told me the day we met. He's always asking, what is the status of this? What is the status of that? It was 1980 I'd been assigned to write a story on Donald Trump and the brash young developer was then trying to make a name for himself in New York, and I came to see the man who at the time was in many ways Trump's alter ego, the wily, menacing lawyer who had gained national renown for, and enmity for his ravenous anti-communist grandstanding. Trump was 34, and using the connections of his father, Brooklyn and Queens real estate developer Fred Trump, all by the way, high-level masons, just thought I'd mention that, as he navigated the rough-and-tumble world of political bosses. He had recently opened the Grand Hyatt Hotel, bringing back life to a dreary area near Grand Central Terminal during a period when the city had yet to fully recover from near bankruptcy. His wife, Ivana, led me through the construction site in a white wool jumpsuit. When will we be finished? When? She shouted at workers as she clicked through the stiletto heels. The tabloids couldn't get enough of Trump's theatics, theatics, theatrics. Now, I'm going to go ahead and let you know that in 1989, Donald Trump then was bankrupt, completely and totally financially insolvent. And he was basically bought out of bankruptcy by Wilbur Ross, who then worked for Rothschild, Inc. Not making it up, it was really called Rothschild, Inc., one of the Rothschild, Inc. banking empires before they started, decided, I guess, to start using front names or whatever. Who cares? The point is he was bought and sold then. At that point in time, they owed his debt. And that's why you see with Big Pharma, he's going to have a big investigation against you know, vaccines and all the stuff that's going to bring Kennedy in to help lead this investigation. As soon as he basically got into the White House, all that stopped. Put Gottlieb into the Food and Drug Administration, one of the biggest vaccine pushers in the world, and the end of it was the end of it. That's why Kennedy can't stand Trump. Donald Trump at his rallies running for president in 2016, 2015 with Hillary Clinton. Lock her up. Lock her up. Lock her up. As soon as he gets out, he becomes White House, goes into the White House. Oh, the Clintons are good friends of mine. Clintons are good people. Love the Clintons. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that Donald Trump. And we all should have checked ourselves, which I did, and I did on this show, when he pulled that stunt with Hillary and said what a great person that she and Bill were after that. But it doesn't make a difference. You've still got people who believe, because of the Q nonsense, that Donald Trump is running the White House from mar lago and that Hunter Biden has been hung now in Guantanamo Bay. Guys, I don't know what to say to people as far as when they believe stuff like this, because quite frankly, how much, how, what, what level, what level do you have to get to to start understanding this? This is this is not true. 
you know, it, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it, it, you know, there's, there's an article here by Frosty Woolridge, and it said, unless you think there, you know, is an awkward reward for being stupid, uh, there are only two sexes. It's been said that there are many people in this country with great minds, but, well, crap for brains. He didn't use the crap word. One of these individuals must be Senator Dick Durbin, who wants to dissolve America with his open border stance. He wants to see transgender men dominate women's NCAA sports. In effect, he wants to destroy men's destroy women's rights to be women and compete with women. He supports DNA males wiping the floor with women athletes, and additionally supports the same men romping around women's dressing rooms. You can't make this stuff up. And he goes, this week in Senate hearing, Durbin suffered a, Durbin suffered a humiliating dress down by the U.S. Senator John Kennedy, who's a Republican out of Louisiana, who used his plain-speaking English to help the Illinois Democrat out of the cuckoo's bird's nest. Kennedy said, my Democratic colleagues called a hearing today. They invited three of their witnesses to convince the American people that it's okay for males to compete against females in sports. And I have to say there was a sort of Alice in Wonderland weirdness about the whole hearing. For example, one of the Democratic colleagues, witnesses, testified that there are three biological sexes and an infinite number of genders. I mean, mean, if, if you read about the trans guy in the volleyball recently, he spiked the ball so hard. That when he hit the woman on the other side of the net, it knocked out the opposing girl player and gave her a concussion. After the match, he wandered into the girl's bathroom, changing room, as if he were a regular female with bra, panties, breasts, etc. I mean, this is mind-boggling to me. And again, nobody wants to talk about the fact, except that we do on this show, this is part of the Kabbalah religion that their God is an hermaphrodite, and they want everybody basically to be hermaphroditic or transgender because it's a closer representation of their God. That's what's pushing this entire gender change, this gender ideology right now. And so when you stop and you look at it, you kind of just say, you know, I don't know what to think about all this stuff. I don't know what to do with this stuff. And then and you watch Riley Gaines, this is another Breitbart article, destroys Democratic witnesses, says men can't beat. Serena Williams, former NCAA double – I love Riley, Riley Gaines, by the way – totally destroyed the false names of queer activists in testimony before the U.S. Senate during its Protecting Pride event. Activist Kelly Robinson appeared before the committee to represent the Democratic side of the transgender athletic argument and made an outright false statement to a question proposed by Louisiana Senator John Kennedy, who asked if she could give him an example of, women, of any women playing in the NBA. While Robinson did not have an answer to that query, she did offer a tangential reply that she thought that, that men posed no threat in women's sports. Women. Robinson, who claims to be the first queer black president of the human rights campaign, blurted out a factoid about tennis star Serena Williams that she seemed to think proved her point. There's been this news article about men that think they can beat Serena Williams at a tennis, right? And they think they can actually score a point on her, Robinson replied to Kennedy's question. It's just not the case. She is stronger than them. I, uh, I don't even know what to say about this. You know, both Serena and Venus lost to the 203rd ranked male tennis player. Gaines told the senators sitting before her. You know, uh, this is not just Gaines' interpretation of the facts either. Gaines is correct that both Williams sisters lost to a low-ranked male player in an exhibition match in 1998 when the sisters were in peak physical condition. And it corresponds to Serena Williams' own feelings that women are simply not the same level of men in sports. Guys, the fact that we are still having this discussion on this show and other shows around the country right now shows the absolute insanity of what's happening in the United States of America. Years ago, I told you that you know we had a neighbor, and I, I, I still can't believe this, but I saw it with my own eyes. 
he had basically had stupid tattooed on his forehead in one inch block letters. He wore a baseball cap wherever he went. And then one day he was over there without a baseball cap on. And, and I saw it said stupid on his forehead. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's sad. I mean, it's sad that somebody would make a decision like that. And at this point in time, I thought I had met the dumbest human being on the planet that he would have stupid tattooed on his forehead. I, I thought I must have met just somebody who just absolutely had no brain whatsoever to have done this. The reality is that people who think that men and women can compete in sports, they're stupider than the guy that tattooed stupid on his forehead. There's no basis for this. In fact, you know, the muscle density, the tendon strength, the ligament strength, strength, the amount of fast twitches versus slow twitch muscle fiber, the speed. That's why you don't see women competing against men, you know, in 100-yard dirt down, you know, your runs or 100-meter runs. You don't see any of that stuff. Or like, like this one senator asked, you know, playing in the NBA. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way, but they want to be a man because they hate men. Honestly, the, this group does. They hate men. Uh, they hate God. Most of them do. And they want to do everything they can to be an, an anathema you know, to God and to basically stand against God, stand against his word, stand against what he says in the Bible that God created them, men and women he created them. They don't want to have that. They gotta, they gotta, they're so opposed to the word of God and who God is that they're, they're willing to make themselves look like blithering idiots in order to try to stand against the word of God. And you can't stand against the word. All you can do is break yourself on the word. It's never going to change. It's the same yesterday, day, and ever, forever. That's why we went into depth with that on yesterday's show. Please listen to yesterday's show because, guys, listen to me. We have Jesus Christ as our high priest. When he, we have him as a blood covenant for us to be attached to the most high God through a covenant relationship. There's nothing we can do through him. That's why I continue to stand on this relationship, on this show, on a daily basis weekly, yearly basis, because without that, we have nothing, okay? We have the ability through prayer, and I talked about this yesterday, to change the very fabric of space-time. We have that ability, but we've got to take advantage of that, and we've got to start praying on a regular basis, and that's why they're so scared of us praying together in aggregate, because they know we can change it all back to the way it was 75 years ago. They know we can, but the problem is we haven't taken hold of it. The Bible says the kingdom of God has been advancing since the beginning of time, and only forceful men lay hold of it. We haven't forced our way back into the phrase of this situation saying, no, it's not okay for them to take our family. Now, here in Polk County where we are, like Austin said, we have homeless people wandering the streets. We have multiple home break-ins here on a regular basis. We have people intruding into people's yards and homes. It's here happening everywhere in the United States. And the sad part about this is we have one of the most highly armed counties in the world, in the in Polk County. Like everybody carries guns here. I mean, literally, I mean, literally, sometimes you, you go to church, I guarantee you, 80% of the people, you know, have guns in church. And the other 20% probably left their guns at home. It's just that's what we live in. And, and Grady Judd warns people, don't come in here to Polk County and play the kick the door in game. You're going to get shot because our people are basically armed. You remember a couple of years ago when the when the Antifa was coming in and the Black Lives Matter were coming in and they were saying, we're going to go ahead and we're going to invade Polk County. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And he is. I'm telling you guys, he says, if they come into your home doing this kind of stuff, you have my permission to take a gun or whatever and blow them back out your front door. That's our sheriff. And yet we still have these people walking into our county. Why? Because they don't know the news cycles. They don't know what they're getting themselves into. We need to put big signs up. Big 20 by 40 foot signs when you enter Polk County from all the major interchanges. We are armed here. If you do something bad here, you will die here. That's our county. That's why I love living here. But guys, it's part of who we are. 
as Christians and Americans, we have a Second Amendment right. We don't have to be a victim. We need to all understand that on an ongoing basis. Keep our hearts and minds in Christ every single day of the year, every single every single month. And I love you guys. Also, what do you think? <laughs> I, uh, I, yeah, I don't really know why people try to play the kick the door in game, <laughs> especially out of Polk County. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't work very well. No, neither did it work well for this clown up in North Carolina. We tried to go after these kids. Uh, but you're exactly right. I mean, this is going to be something that people are going to have to come to grips with. I've talked to many people in my lives where they go, well, I just don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk about any of that. I don't want to deal with any of that. And I'm like, look, you don't have to talk about it. You don't have to think about it. But I promise you at some point in time, more than likely you're going to be in a direct action confrontation and you're going to have to do something about it. Pretty much, I mean, just about everybody I know has had something occur to them and it escalates and you either can de-escalate it and handle it or sometimes you have to engage and you've got to do something even more aggressive about it. And the idea and the concept isn't, well, I'm going to sit here and pretend it's not going to happen. The idea and concept is I'm going to learn how to handle the situation and I'm going to learn how to do the best I can in the situation that I have and continue to push forward and be as strong as I can be. I've told you before, this is one of the worst things that I've watched happen to this generation is the complacency, the inability to be self-sufficient, the aspect of not caring whether or not you are in decent shape, even moderately decent shape or have any type of muscle mass strength or any type of cardiovascular strength. I mean, I've watched now this younger Gen Z generation, and majority of them have no interest in being in shape at all. I mean, most of them walk around, they got like 10-inch arms, walk around little pencil, pencil everything. They look like what called pool noodle arms. They just walk around just bumbling around. They have no concept or understanding of anything when it comes to actual maintaining significant strength. That's why there's weight classes in wrestling. You know, you get a 200-pound grown man that does bench and squats every day, and you get in a fight with him, and you're 110 pounds, 120-pound-year-old male. You have no understanding of grappling or jiu-jitsu. You are going to get completely knocked unconscious, period. It's going to happen every time. I've watched it happen before. This is why you have to understand what we're walking into right now is a situation where if you have a family, you got to do the best you can to protect them at any and all cost. Just Thought I'd mention that again. Also, to in other news, this is something that's interesting as well. I was thinking about, you know, what Dad was talking about. What they're constantly trying to do everything they can to change what God created. This is why they hate man so much. This is why they're constantly trying to have men pretend that they're women and try to completely and totally overturn these sports. Which is, I mean, it's a joke. And like Riley Gaines made such blatant statement. She said, "Why is it that the rights?" and privacy and safety of 50 women in a locker room is completely and totally overshadowed by one individual who's got a mental disorder. Why is that? Well, it's because exactly what dad said. They want to completely turn everything upside down. It doesn't matter that it's the stupidest thing you've ever heard. It doesn't matter that it doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter that it's not factual or based in any type of science. It doesn't matter that none of it has any type of basis in a civilized society saying that grown men need to be able to compete with women in MMA and in football and in basketball and in gyms and locker rooms. It doesn't matter that none of it makes any sense. All that matters is they have to push the agenda to continually compromise the Christian basis of ideology, and that's what they've been doing now continually with the food. I saw an article now here earlier 
Two companies, Upside Food and Good Meat, said yesterday they have now received final U.S. Department of Agriculture approval to sell lab-grown meat, paving the way for the nation's first-ever sales of the product. Now, this isn't plant-based meat. This isn't soy burgers and canola oil burgers. This is even taking it a step in uncharted territories. We already know what soybean oil does and canola oil does and the toxic effects of it. We already know that. What we're talking about now is lie is cultured cell meat that's basically made in steel vats and petri dishes, so to speak. And essentially what they are is they're meat tumors. They're taking cells from animals. They're growing them in a, a laboratory, and they're feeding them whatever they need to feed them and let the tissue grow in these vats. And then they're basically processing it. Well, the approval now will be allowing the United States to become the first country to allow the sale of so-called cultivated meat. You know, you'd think – you would think that at some aspect you would have at least five to ten years of clinical trials with this stuff to see what it's actually going to do to offspring and general population, starting it with animals and rats, and see what happens when rats are fed lab-grown meat for extended periods of time and other animals. You'd think that's what would be going on, but that's not the case. The company's the first to complete the multi-step U.S. approval process for cultivated meat, and they've determined it's safe to eat. Of course, that, you know, COVID shot was safe and effective, too. Forgot about that one. The CEO of Upside Foods said it's a dream come true, and it marks a new era. The companies, which both are going to start cultivating lab-grown chicken, plan to serve their products at a high-end restaurant first before scaling production to lower costs for grocery stores. They said Upside Chicken will be served at Bar Crin, a restaurant in San Francisco. Now, I don't ever plan on stepping foot in San Francisco, so that doesn't – I care less about that. However – Where's it going to go from here? They said Good Meat will sell its first batch of chicken to Jose Andreas Group, owned by the humanitarian and chef Good Meat, said. The company said they're still determining the exact timeline when the products will hit the plates. They said they will soon announce the location of new production facilities that is 10 to 20 times larger than its existing Emerville, California plant. Cultivated meat companies hope their products will provide an appealing alternative for meat eaters. Yeah, because I want to eat cancer tissue that's been grown off animal cells that's been cultured in petri dishes and steel vats that just i mean i don't even know what possibly sounds appetizing much less safe about that whatsoever but yet here we are in 2023 and we're about to roll out lab grown meat and you know it's funny i i joked about this years ago to people when i first heard the idea of it being brought about and i said you know a lot of this chicken especially you have KFC chicken and some of these other chickens. I said, you know in the future this stuff's all going to be lab-grown. We already know the pink slime. You've already seen that. You can look that up online with McDonald's, how they make their chicken nuggets. They basically just grind up the base carcasses of chickens that are left to be thrown out. They grind them up in like a powder. And they mix it with a paste. They mix it with a bunch of other preservatives to stabilize it, a bunch of other flavors and MSG, and then they turn it into this pink slime paste that they pour out, and then it's basically cooked and breaded and frozen and then sent off to McDonald's for them to reheat it for their customers so they can eat their pink slime. Once I saw the video of that, I knew we had to be in for a real treat when it came for food and meat production oh, over the next disgusting. five to ten years. I mean, yeah, it was it's pretty nasty. So when I knew that was coming, I was like, okay, everybody needs to do the best they can. And this is why I've constantly told people, you know, certified USDA organic 
to my knowledge, is still fairly clean. A lot of people I know can still get contacts with local farmers, you know, and free-range, you know, true, just open-range, free-roaming chickens and eggs. Same thing with grass-fed beef, 100% grass-fed beef. Another good one that's really expensive is bison. Bison has extremely strict guidelines on how they basically live. They can't be put in giant, you know, cow pens all day, be force-fed grain products. Bison have to free range. They have to be able to run around. They can't be kept up. And so those are certain foods that you know are still fairly clean. And, I, you know, I talk – I had a really good customer, a family – uh, husband and wife came in yesterday from North Carolina. They came down to grab some products. They're on vacation down here, and I got to talk to him for a little bit. Great people. And he actually used to work for the USDA, and they would test and determine the level of pesticides and herbicides and toxic exposures on different foods, including testing different batches of certified USDA organic food to basically see if it was meeting the guidelines and requirements to be released. And he said for the most part, the organic food back when he worked there was still testing very clean. He said sometimes you'd have batches that would have a little bit of basically um, you know, toxic exposure to them with pesticides. He said, but compared to the actual non, non-organic, he said it was much, much, much cleaner. And that's one thing that we still have. The problem with it is what happens when they come out with organic lab-grown meat? I guess they – I don't know if that's going to be a thing. It will not surprise me though, but you watch and see if they don't try to pull that card to try to manipulate and pervert the food market even further in the near future. Because if they're doing this and they're already trying to roll this out and tell everybody how good and great and nasty it is, uh, they're going to try to go after the organic food here pretty soon. What do you think, Dad? You know, the, the organic food market, they're going to have to destroy it. They, they, have, yeah. they have no choice. Now, they won't, they won't be able to take it completely out because there's enough local farmers. Now, they'll start trying to re-regulate and take these local farmers out of business, and they'll start taxing them and putting tariffs on them and all the other kind of crazy stuff. They're going to do all that, but they're not going to come in and just destroy it because there's enough people out there that can basically still provide food for you. I mean, the Amish have tremendous organic food. I remember years ago when Harrison was born, you know, and we were basically looking for raw certified goat's milk. You know, it was a formula base for him. We couldn't find it anything locally. We had some friends of ours who knew Amish up in, a, you know, in Pennsylvania, and we had met them when we were there, and we had them send us down frozen milk. You could send it like second-day air or whatever it was and got a pretty good rate on it and send the milk down here frozen, and we used that. We were able to find that. And then we found another person who was local who basically had the organic milk after we did that, a few gallons. And then we found another guy, but his name was Glenn, and he had a company called Golden Fleece. And uh, he's out of business now. He's passed away. Bless his heart. He was a great man too, good Christian man. And we bought you. We used to buy gallons of milk. I mean, 100 gallons at a time, and freeze it from him on the raw certified goat's milk. I mean, there's always a source like that locally. But then he was selling the raw certified goat's milk to Whole Foods as animal food. Thought I'd mention that. I mean, I mean, thousands of gallons, you know, a month. And it was really helping him stay in business and keeping his cash flow good. Suddenly Whole Foods came in and says, nope, not carrying that anymore, even though it's for animal feed only. We're not going to carry that anymore. And they just they, they terminated the contract, which basically destroyed him financially. So all of this stuff is available to us still locally, but they don't want us to eat local produce. They don't want to eat locally grown or locally fresh. Uh, yesterday I had, a, I had breakfast at a really good restaurant, you know, down uh, you know, in south, south Florida uh, because, you know, I was coming back from that funeral. And it was amazing to me how it was like locally grown, locally fresh. The name of the restaurant was Berry Fresh, like B-E-R-R-Y. And I thought, wow, okay, this is a pretty good restaurant. And they had a big picture on the wall, 
of a Catholic priest coming in and blessing them and praying a blessing over their restaurant because they were a Christian company, Christian group that had started, the, you know, like a husband and wife and son team or whatever that had started the restaurant years ago. And so I, I like supporting people like that because what it does, it gives you the ability to give back to the community of those people that are out there doing what they good. And they had the best buttermilk biscuits I've ever had, to be honest with you. And it was a great breakfast. And quite frankly, you think, well, you can't believe it. you're eating buttermilk biscuits. Stop. Leave me alone. I'll have a buttermilk biscuit every once in a while. I like them. They're actually very good. But the point is this. you know, It's just a really good thing to be able to go in and support local. That's why when you support health masters with what we do and the show that we do, we can provide you content like we have today and like yesterday's show. And we can sit here and give it to you uninterrupted with no commercial interrupts. I've not yet had the opportunity to pray for you today, but I'll pray for you right after the show today. But I love you guys, and I appreciate you so very, very much. If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be here. So thanks again for your support. I love you again so much. Austin, finish it up, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. You're absolutely right. I mean, this is why I continue to thank all our customers and listeners and try to respond to them the best I can in the emails. I know sometimes my emails may be a bit short if I'm answering questions, but I do try to get to all of them the best I can. And so we thank you for, you know, just the continual support and promoting this show and the truth that's going out there. Because that's really the basis of all of it is getting the truth out to your friends and family and one another, especially, as I said repeatedly, on especially on things that we can go and make direct changes in in our lives, in our communities, in our towns, with our neighbors, with our families, and our friends, and being able to encourage one another. You know, it makes a huge difference when I've watched and I've helped my friends where they've started changing their diets and their their lives and primarily in their children's lives as well. I've watched friends that have had children that, you know, have all types of so-called attention deficit problems and focus and hyperactivity. And I've given them advice and nutrients, you know, the children's cod liver oil, the strawberry flavor, which tastes great, you know, with the ultimate multiple and cutting out the red 40 and the food coloring and the high fructose corn syrup, the the breakfast cereals, the, the breakfast cereals. You can't come up with something worse to start your day then than corn protein or not corn protein with basically ground up corn cereal with high fructose corn syrup in it with a bunch of homogenized milk with a bunch of hormones. I mean, it doesn't get much worse of a breakfast than that to start a kid off in the morning. You want to start a kid off in the morning, give him two whole eggs with a small, you know, small bowl of organic oatmeal. You know, and if you got some good organic cow's milk, you can put that in it. You can throw some monk fruit. You throw some coconut sugar in it. And that right there is stabilized blood sugar. Give them a ton of energy and keep them focused throughout the entire day with what they need and give them a lot of, you know, good, healthy energy. But there's so many things that I've seen now on the basis where so many people get wrapped up in the giant scheme of what's happening right now. Oh, my gosh. Here's all all media talked about. We're getting we're going to get nuked again. We're not getting nuked again. I've been hearing about getting nukes for the last 10 years. I remember when North Korea was going to nuke us. I remember when Iraq was going to nuke us. And every time I turn around, nuke, 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 nuke. Oh, my gosh. Watch out. When's the first nuke hits? Guys, first off. If it goes to that, it's just going to be a really quick injection right into heaven. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> but at the end of the day, the infrastructure hasn't been put into place by these guys with the 5G systems and all the telecom communication systems so they can go in and just start turning the entire world into a wasteland. It doesn't make sense. But yet again, it sells fear. And fear porn sells clicks, and clicks sells all types of different algorithms. You can get more people to post on your website and charge more for advertisement ads 
it's what it is, it's how it works on the back end. That's why I tell people, focus on what you can directly change right here, right now, with your health, with your family, with your mental state, with your friends, with your communities. Continue to encourage one another to do the same. That's why I encourage you to sign up for our free weekly newsletter on the website. You can do that. We send a link right to your website, including different specials that we have every day. Like you guys voted yesterday for the uh, the Testo Plus formula, that one product of the week. That's an incredibly strong formula. It does great as far as increasing natural testosterone. I had a good buddy of mine who started on a stack, started on a couple different products, including the Tribulus Fuel and the Testo Plus and a few of the other main nutrient ones we have with the prostate support, which has pygnium in it. And his testosterone was cratering around like, Two, I think 260, which was low. And he sent me his papers the other day and showed it to me, and he's up to 650 now. But that's that's a huge jump. That's tripling his testosterone, which is in a really healthy range now for him. And he feels a lot better. And again, this is why it's so important to watch what you're eating. Stay away from a lot of the plasticizers. Take the right nutrients, like the Testo Plus. You really want to increase energy and overall vitality. You can even look at the the, uh, the comments that we have on it and the reviews on it on our website. So be sure, continue to do the best you can to get the most out of your body, your mind, your soul, all the days of your life. Thank you again for your support. If you need anything, you know where to get a hold of us, healthmasters.com, 1-800-726-1830. 34. Be sure to check out different specials I have on the front page of the website right now. And uh, have a good, safe night, my friends. Stay strong as always, and we'll talk to you again on this show tomorrow as always. Broadcasting to the U.S. and around the world by way of clear digital audio, 22,500 miles above the planet. This is the Global Star Radio Network.